Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Clear the Dance Floor. We are live here on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my name is Mr. Kolb, and I will be your host from now until the 5 o'clock hour, at which point Legendary Air will take over. But until then, you just sit back, relax, crack a cold one, whether that's a brewski, whether that's a sody pop, whether you're like me and that's a Snapple, Half and half. You crack one open, you sit back, you get into your most comfortable position, and you let me entertain you. But it's not a mission I undertake alone, no. There are guests here in the studio, and they are the co-hosts of the Nerdy for 30 podcast. And one of them is named Kevin Bauer. Hello. Hello. And the other one is named Tim Keck. Worlds collide. <laughs> Can't wait. They're so excited to be here. It's an honor to be here, to be entertaining the people. Mm-hmm. I love giving them what they want because in the great words of the late Jimmy Buffett, yeah, it's my job. Yes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so glad you started here because uh, uh, I, we had the show last week. And I didn't feel ready to talk about this yet. Right. I, I it, the the news had just broke that Jimmy Buffett had died. Uh, I, I mean, we were all kind of reeling, uh, but now some time has passed, and we can really just kind of go in and kind of what he meant to us. Uh, wh- uh, I mean, I, personally, I feel like the chessboard has been cleared. I mean, I feel like we're, we're uh, like Gore Vidal said after Edith or uh, Eleanor Roosevelt died. We really are alone now, boys. <laughs> 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 Without Jimmy Buffett. We really are alone. Now, Kevin, you're looking at me with disbelief. Is that because you can't imagine a future for yourself <laughs> with him gone? Oh, boy. Honestly, I was just trying to figure out uh, if that was the first, last, or first and last time Jimmy Buffett has ever been mentioned in the same breath as Gore Vidal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine? It's like, what if he was like a huge fan? It's That'd be incredible. I actually prefer gentlemen uh, from uh, uh, Gulf Coast. Uh, well, parrot head, I've got to <laughs> yeah, exactly. head out. Let's get drunk and screw. Be tailgating later. Uh, <laughs> been lot B, if anyone would like to find me and say hello. Uh, of course, don't say hello. Say aloha. Aloha. <laughs> Do you think people said aloha at Jimmy Buffett's funeral? Because it means hello and goodbye. <laughs> I mean, I mean. He got that every day of his life. God, yeah. What a legend. What a fucking legend. Yeah, just go, boating go off, around. Jim. That dude has never ridden in a car. He just, no, boats he only. just goes from one particular harbor to the next. Hey! <laughs> As soon as he gets tired of being there, changes in latitude, changes in attitude, my dude. Easy. That's right. And what's he sipping along the way? Uh, Some boat drinks, my Uh, friend. Some cheeseburgers in paradise. (laughs) He's sipping some cheeseburgers (laughs) along the way. I think a cheeseburger in paradise is a cocktail. It's like one of those deals where people get the 
the Bud Light margarita, where it's a margarita with a Bud Light lime tipped into it. Yeah. It's just a margarita with a cheeseburger tipped into it. In the yeah, same yeah. Glass. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like one of those like Bloody Marys or whatever that people are getting. Yeah. Like where it's like a whole rotisserie chicken and like, <laughs> <laughs> you're drinking brunch. <laughs> that huge but, skewer yeah. on top. Kind of like how, how Panera had the bread bowl. You're drinking out of a hollowed out rotisserie chicken. There's a lot of options here depending on where you order it to. It could, in a fancier establishment, be a little bit like a south of the border Monte Cristo, where yes. it's just dipping this bad boy. Yes. Limitless possibilities. Now, I'm just sad that he's not going to see how far we push the cheeseburger. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to miss all that. He's, I mean, yes, you're right, because we really are at the beginning of cheeseburger science. <laughs> the revolution. Like, the burger revolution is about to pop off. Yes. It's coming. It's here. Yes. You know, we're, once we're the waiting. artists move in. <laughs> the artists. Like, the chefs have already, like, given it their try, right? Every restaurant has a $25 burger that's supposedly made of, like, the best ingredients, even yeah, though it's, yeah. like, no, this $200 one's different. less than the steak. This one's different, actually. <laughs> but this one is different. This is the one you got to try. And then the artists are going to come in, and it's going to be, yeah, that's when you get, like, graffiti burgers. Mm-hmm. That's when you're going to be like eating it in the dark so you can enjoy all of your senses. Yeah. You know, into it mm-hmm. in the dark, just listening to Cheeseburger in Paradise on loop. <laughs> Let's not forget that Cheeseburger in Paradise was the soundtrack of the final night at Legion Bar. It was. <laughs> that was, if we got to a point where we were going to bring up fondest Jimmy Buffett memories, that was going to be mine. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my, since we're doing it, uh, uh, my other favorite one is, um, of course, seeing the Broadway show with everyone yes. in 2018. But uh, before that, I, I think we may have talked about this on that, that episode, but I was like taken to a concert with my friend from high school and his dad who like is like a, like loves Jimmy Buffett. And at the show, you know, he does the usual covers, the like uh, um, brown eyed girl and, and uh, uh, you know, back to the island and stuff like that. Yeah. But the one that surprised me was Scarlet Begonias by the Grateful Dead. <laughs> Interesting. And it was very, it, like that like riff that like book that like Jerry Garcia plays was played by several steel drum. <laughs> oh my God. Perfect. I I knew it worked. And at the end, at the the song ends up you know, and he just he he also, we should say, will talk into the mic more than any other artist I've ever seen, where he's just like babbling in between songs constantly. All he said when this song was done was Buffett meets the Grateful Dead, huh? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's the funniest thing. He's very aware of his fame. The funniest thing I've ever seen. Tim, uh, do you have any fond memories? You know, I was just thinking about the the musical and what a great time it has. And yeah. I would encourage everybody to listen to that Young yeah. Persons Radio mm-hmm. episode. The escape, the escape to Margaritaville episode. There was a pretty mid a pretty mid production. Good mm-hmm. time because it's all just Jimmy Buffett songs. And you know, in the in the <laughs> uh, the Margaritaville song, there's just a line in it that's like searching for my last shaker of salt. Yeah, my lost shaker of salt. And so then the whole first part of the play. There's an old guy who is just looking for a salt shaker. Yeah. That is his entire yeah. function in this. <laughs> and in like the third act, they play like Margaritaville and they're doing the whole number. And then there's a beat and he walks on stage the same way he's been walking around asking for his salt shaker. And he delivers the line searching for my lost shaker of salt. But he has it. And he I, I think he's no, he's still looking for it. 
But he finds it. What, what? Searching for my lost shaker of salt is the lot. He's like, still. Oh, I think at oh, some point oh, he does oh, oh, find oh, oh, it. I see. I see. But it's such a it's such a stupid. Who has ever <laughs> yes. agonized over losing a salt shaker <laughs> and spent days in story time just exploring an island and asking complete strangers, "Have you seen my salt salt shaker?" <laughs> and somehow I had no idea it was coming. And that joke hit, landed so hard with me. Yeah. And I just and, and every time I think about it, it makes me laugh. But how how did I not see this? There's also in that show another plot point is uh, another big Jimmy Buffett song is the song Volcano that repeats yes. over and over again. I don't know when the volcano is going to blow or something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh. And they say they sing it over and over again in the song. And at one point, a character there's like a, a break where like the music comes down a little bit so the characters can talk, you know. And this this woman goes up to like one of the main guys and she's like, "Hey, I'm starting to think we don't know when this volcano is gonna blow." <laughs> <laughs> this was a blast. I to mean, clarify, it's a yeah, yeah. To clarify this for the listeners too, this made it to Broadway. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was in. It was in one of the hotel theaters. That's what it I remember. Was- it was next door to Hamilton. Yeah, it was next door to Hamilton. Anna was it? We were like walking into the theater, and there's a long line there. And Anna recognized someone from work, and she's like, "Oh my God, you're seeing Hamilton too!" And Anna had to be like, "No, we're here to see a stage <laughs> margarita, Jimmy Buffett musical." Oh, which was God. incredible! Oh, right I should I should put that episode out on One this the feed. That's uh the the walkthrough is just something people got to hear. Anyway, just a little plug there for an episode we did five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great time. I can vouch to someone who did not see the play but did listen to that show. It's worth it. Yeah. But let's talk about the present. Let's talk about your show, Nerdy for Thirty. Oh, that one. Yeah. The yeah. podcast. What other one? I don't know. We, we got, got a lot of we got a lot of plates spinning, you know. We got a lot of projects. We're doing a show. <laughs> show. Escape to Margaritaville two. Back to Margaritaville. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> escape from Margaritaville. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a reverse escape from New York. Escape from LA with it. Where uh, for Margaritaville, the first one very silly. The second one's going to be very intense, very dramatic. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess if you have to change the city, if it's Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., it'd be Escape from Margaritaville is the first one. And then Mm -hmm. the sequel, Escape from Funky Town. (laughs) Wow. Escape from Funky Town. And then they do like the horror remix of like the yeah. Funky Town song, like they did with like Five on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like all in minor. (laughs) minor Take me. Wrote that bad boy in a minor key. It's coming. Yeah, we have, a, we have a podcast. It's called Nerdy for 30, where we talk about nerdy-ish movies for 30-ish minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe we've kind of gotten a little bit away from the title. We started doing, like, Marvel stuff, and now we've kind of been doing a lot more, like, current current movies, like what's in the zeitgeist. Yeah. And just, just giving our hot takes on it. We did, um, and it's a specific tier I think we're in, right, Kevin? Yeah. We, we actually watched a good movie uh, Sardar Udom the, the other day, and it, it blew my mind because that's Whoa. not what we do on the, the. It was too good for what we do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we watch you know King Kong versus Godzilla. You know, like yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Uh, and it's great. It's fun. Hang yeah. out, talk movies. 
It's like, you know, walking across the street to the bar after and shooting the shit with your pals. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. Now, the last time you were on the show, Tim. Yes. You had seen Barbie. Barbenheimer. You had seen Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen either. Now oh. I've seen him. So I want to revisit this topic. <laughs> wow. Now no. I've seen him and I'm ready to go. Kevin? This is interesting because we combined those as one episode of our show. And as the title suggests, uh-huh. we spend only 30 minutes per episode, <laughs> give or take. <laughs> A lot of people argued that 30 minutes was not enough time to cover Barbie and Oppenheimer and the combined experience of seeing <laughs> them. Probably so this true. is an interesting opportunity we have. Probably true. Yeah. Probably true. Huge mistake was the response from our, from our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but now we're going to... Now we're gonna give it about we're gonna give it about fifteen minutes. Okay, perfect. <laughs> we're gonna give it a little le- maybe half the time. Anyway, sure. Well, Kevin liked Barbie more, and I, I liked Oppenheimer more. So here's here's the thing I want to talk about. This is a specific moment from Oppenheimer is where I want to begin this. <laughs> so there is a moment pretty early in the movie where you get the famous line, "I am become death destroyer of worlds." Okay. The issue I have with this is that this moment happens, and if people haven't seen it, you know, this is maybe a spoiler, I don't know, but I've, it's been out for a while, it's okay. Florence Pugh and Oppenheimer mm-hmm. are engaged in an intimate act. and sex. What? It's sex, right? Well, it's an intimate act. Okay. <laughs> it's not really for us to say what it was yeah it's an intimate act yeah she's riding him hard so (laughs) so but she is isn't she she is she is i'll confirm that she literally climbs off of his dick to look at the books he has on his shelf yeah and he says whenever she gets off of him he says wait don't (laughs) And all of a sudden, she's just, she's not even facing the bookshelf. She climbs <laughs> off of his dick, turns around, starts running her finger across the books in the shelf, and then pulls <laughs> one out and is like, read this. And he says, I have become Death Destroyer of Worlds. And then she like goes back to having sex with him. <laughs> this scene. I could not get into the movie after this. <laughs> this took me out of it in such an intense way. I was like, thank God we're blowing stuff up now, like you get two hours later, because I've only been thinking about how Florence Pugh's character was, was like riding Oppenheimer, and in her mind she's thinking, I know there are books behind me. <laughs> Cannot stop focusing on the books. <laughs> Gotta address this right away. Yeah. Did this moment strike either of the two of you as, well, let's just call it noteworthy? Yeah, it's certainly noteworthy. Um, I, I think it got like criticized in the thing where it's like, why is Florence Pugh naked and, and having sex in this movie? It seems pretty irrelevant. Tim, that's not the problem and- I have with it. <laughs> 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 but in, uh, in general, it was, it's, it's, it's weird in the movie, and then the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, that was the right thing for everyone involved. Mm. Uh, okay. You know, it just I thought it was like a good way of like seeing the way, like him at his most vulnerable. There's scenes where they're just like naked across the street from each other talking, 
and he's being the most vulnerable he can, but he's still not like actually connecting with another human being. Uh -huh. Like they are not fulfilling each other, even though they are, you know, engaged in sensual acts that what most people find fulfilling. They're both still looking for another thing. And I think that's interesting. And I think it kind of works in the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, the book reading was pretty dumb, but, you know, <laughs> we've all we've all had sex where we, you know, flip open the Kindle and <laughs> <laughs> turn on that light, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, see what Harry Potter's up to for a couple of minutes. Uh, put baby, a pen in baby. that because I want to revisit what books <laughs> you would choose in this moment. Yeah. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's emblematic of exactly what my problem with Oppenheimer is, which is that they were trying to cover so much ground uh -huh. in this movie yeah, yeah. that they needed to rely on shorthand and subtext to this extent. There were so many scenes in this movie where Oppenheimer would come into a room, say one line to someone, they would respond with another line, then a third person would walk in and say, yeah. it's time to go, and we would cut <laughs> to a train in Europe. Yeah. And they'd be having, like, the same conversation on that train. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I found the pace completely untenable. The mm -hmm. only movie I've seen with a pace even similar to this was Black Adam earlier yeah. this year. <laughs> and I think that one was cut that way just to try to get people's attention from TikTok. Like, they were just vying for people who are used to scrolling through TikTok feeds yeah. and then had to sit down for a two-hour movie in a theater. And they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so... This is a really long TikTok. Yeah. I don't remember turning my phone sideways. Somebody runs up to the screen and just is frantically yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to swipe it upwards. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, I think the the actual act is just a symptom of that. But I think it is by far the most egregious example of yeah. having to find an opportunity to do this in the movie. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I I I agree with that. Where it was, just, but he. This is like Nolan's like one of his like signature. Editing styles is just like same conversation unfolds over desert, <laughs> sky, <laughs> like, like, like ocean liner, you know? Yeah. I like it. You get to see a bunch of stuff. It's like listening to a podcast on, a, on like a long drive. Yeah. You know, you get to see all these different things, but like you maintain the conversation, yeah. you're finishing the thread, and then it was a fun ride, you know? I mean, if we want to do a one-to-one -one comparison, I thought the way they did the montages of traveling in Barbie... Way more enjoyable. Oh, well, yeah. that was like a specific gimmick, cartoonish gimmick. That was a bit. That was a bit. I think you could argue at this point, bit. Nolan's doing a bit. We've just, oh, the only it, difference yeah, is we know it's, it's, it's a very God. serious bit. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin's also confused by the hero worship in Oppenheimer. I, he can't oh, get over oh, it. Interesting. About how everyone like calls him Oppie. And yeah. Stuff. Just, just the idea that Oppenheimer is the most important man who's ever lived. And how that's like the thesis of the movie, which I argue is just like what a biopic is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Like, did you did you guys watch the the? There's a documentary that's uh that's like making the rounds now. That's called The Day After Trinity, where they like interview a lot of the. It's like made in the early '80s, and it was like a TV documentary. They interview a lot of the people who are like in the the movie Oppenheimer. Um, what comes out in this documentary is that everyone who was at Los Alamos was having like an amazing time. That they were all like <laughs> young hotshot scientists, like they were all like fresh out of school, you know, and they just like made this world that's like tailor like tailored to their needs and that they were all like they were having parties all the time. They, they like put on a play and Oppenheimer <laughs> himself was like in the play as like the comic <laughs> relief character and I was like how much 
would you pay to like see that movie? Oh, <laughs> of, like, God. Of, like the op, of, like the the doomsday scientists putting a play on is like the main action, <laughs> and the assembling of the bomb is like happen is like the B story. And then they just like hear on the radio like, oh shit, they dropped the movies. <laughs> <laughs> but we must go on. <laughs> I think. I think you're pitching National Lampoon's Remember Los Alamos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it stars Chevy like... Chase and, uh, as Oppenheimer. I'm in on that. <laughs> yeah, I would watch today. the hell out of that. <laughs> Chevy Chase. I feel like our personal equivalent of that would be if in our early 20s, the United States government had come to us and said, we need you to set up an improv theater <laughs> to defeat the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. that... That was a pitch I had a while ago. Did I ever tell you about this? Was like a time traveling improv troupe. Yes. And they were just looking for an era where they'd crush. And the whole premise was like, (laughs) and they just bought, and the idea is you just go to a bunch of different places and they bomb every single time (laughs) until it gets to World War II. They accidentally put on a show for the Nazis and the Nazis love it. Tim, I'm going to tell you now what I told you then, which is you've got to write this movie. This is such a funny idea. Uh It's so funny to me. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Yeah. And then they're just like, uh, and then they like, well, someone's like, well, we're going to bomb this theater. But they're like, oh, but they, they're begging for an encore. <laughs> <laughs> we can't, can we wait a minute to kill all these Nazis? We need those laughs more. <laughs> I mean, this is, look, I want to see this. Yeah. I want to, I want to read it. I want to see it. I'm just picturing them just like a bunch of bearded white dudes in flannels playing zip, zap, zop on like a slave ship to America. Yes. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and like the crew's starving. People have scurvy. It's yeah. like the most, They're the like, worst atrocity of yeah. all time. And these yeah. guys are like, not an ideal place for a show. You know, I'm done, kind of done with these outside shows. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's an opportunity to explore the craven narcissism of an yes. improviser. <laughs> yeah. Yes. How self-centered it is. Yeah, exactly. Ignoring everything going on around him. <laughs> uh. Now, Barbie, on the other hand. Mm-hmm. Yes. Masterpiece. Incredible. <laughs> you loved? You loved? I have to say, I did really like it, but my expectations were at the floor going mm. in. I understand that. So very, very pleasantly surprised by it. Thought Gosling was really funny, and I'm just saying that to rankle Tim. <laughs> Tim Gosling's trash. He's a terrible actor. Tim hates him. <laughs> but when he starts singing, he's an angel. Yeah. He should just be doing, like, young John Travolta movies. Mm-hmm. He should be doing Grease. He should be doing Hairspray. He should just be doing, like, Saturday Night Fever. Oh, he man. would destroy. They should make another Hairspray. Oh, he'd be great. <laughs> hairspray. <laughs> or anything. Yeah. When he sings, he lights up the room. Yeah, and then he goes back to pretending to be an actor, and it's it's hard and uncomfortable for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, uh, I really thought he stole the show though in the movie. Mm. Oh, he did. Yeah, uh, for a movie about women, they really didn't give them anything funny or interesting. To Margot do. Robbie, Margot Robbie, definitely. She got one, and, and, and in the theater, I saw this. Her big her big line at the end about going to the gynecologist hit really hard. That yeah. was like her one big joke. Yeah. But up until then, she kind of had to just be kind of. Kind of dour, you know, kind of uh, serious. Yeah. yeah. A shame. I would argue Kate McKinnon had a lot of fun in that. Kate McKinnon was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kate McKinnon stood out, too. That was a, that's, a, that's a really funny character. If you're going to do a Barbie movie, like the fucked up Barbie is, is really <laughs> funny. That's a funny idea. I feel like the thing to me about Barbie is that I can't believe this is a movie from Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. The, like... <laughs> 
preeminent hipster indie darling filmmakers, and they're a couple, and they made this very, like, candy-colored, like, very, like, audience-pleasing blockbuster. Yeah. I mean, hell, it's the movie of the year. <laughs> People are saying. I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I think Noah Baumbach is responsible for making me depressed more times yes. than <laughs> yes. anyone else. He's, Noah Baumbach's like giving notes on the script. He's just like, yeah, don't you think Barbie should be like the daughter of two professors? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If you guys weren't depressed after Barbie, I don't. I think you were watching a different movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. The politi- the the more I I think about the get more distance from it and think about like the messaging in Barbie, the more I'm like, it's not like the most concise, you know, tar. Like, right, the the message at the end is, like, let's gaslight everybody and (laughs) men are not equals, right? Like, that's kind of, like, the end, right? We end. Do you feel like it was an anti-men movie? No, I I don't. I don't think it was anti-men because they they make comments about, like, we don't even know where the Kens are. And she's, like, apologizing to Ken for stuff and Ken's. I don't think it's, like, necessarily takes strong stances, but Mm. the ending of the movie, right, isn't that, like, oh, all of the women are in charge and the men are, like, not a part of anything again and balance has been restored? (laughs) And also, how do we get, how do we, how do we, you know, create an equitable workspace for everybody? Oh, we're just going to start gaslighting all of these people in this world and that's how we're going to overcome stuff. It's weird. I don't know. Wait, wait, I gaslighting remember. people in which world? Yeah, I don't well, remember. Well, because the with gaslight. the Kens, then they start gaslighting all the Kens and like playing them all against each other. And like the, the goal is to like, how oh, do, oh, how do we mean... beat the patriarchy? It's oh. like, well, we, we manipulate people with all this stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's just all over the place, you know? Sure, sure, sure. I, uh, I don't know. I don't think the messaging is as like, just, it's not razor focused. It's not like the scalpel. I don't feel like it's a mirror being held up to society as much as just like a bunch of thoughts kind of like thrown out there, you know? Yeah. I, I, it would yeah. be so funny if the end of the movie was like like all the Kens and the Barbies come together and join DSA. <laughs> it's like the super leftist. <laughs> like it ends with them like executing billionaires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do feel like that's what like people on the right thought the movie was like was. Yeah. yeah. Or definitely that's how they were like trying to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. It is weird. There's it is weird to watch looks... that and be like upset. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a personal attack on yeah, my yeah, ideology. Yeah. It's like so it's mild. Like... It's uh Yeah. Yeah. The Ken's there's a Ken that looks like Jeff Bezos. And they <laughs> kill him. <laughs> the and they redistribute his wealth. <laughs> it saves Barbie land. It's that simple. Barbie land's infrastructure is great. Yeah. Got a lot going on. up well. <laughs> Look, you can't argue with Barbie land's infrastructure. That you cannot argue with, yeah. my friend. I mean, they saved a lot of lot of money not writing any dialogue for Will Ferrell. I mean, there's lots of great oh, things. Yeah. He, he he had a couple that really made me lol. I love Will Ferrell, man. I'll always love him. I don't care how many terrible movies he does. He gets yeah. a lifetime pass for me for that, like <laughs> that tr- that trilogy of Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers. Yeah, it's incredible. So it's, great. Uh, a great one, two, three punch. That being said, I did watch Step Brothers during the pandemic. I did find it a little not as good as I remembered. Shut up. But I still <laughs> like it. I still like it. Yeah. This is a house of learned doctors. <laughs> I. <laughs> I feel like Will Ferrell is like one of the funniest people on the planet. I agree. Like he's just like it seems like everyone who's worked with him, like even Kevin Hart, is just like, yeah, Will's Will's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
And he has to pretend the rock's interested. So it's like, <laughs> you know, he will lie to you. <laughs> yeah. He rocks. Will Farrell forever. Yeah. That was my takeaway from Barbie. <laughs> so, wow. Farrell is goaded. You both need to introspect. <laughs> I think, yeah, to, to bring it back to Barbie real quick to kind of yeah, tie yeah. a bow on that. I, I didn't necessarily get the same feeling from the ending. I do think that maybe the most important part of the messaging and the success of the movie overall is Kev, get right up on that mic when you say this. Oh, thing. sorry. Okay. Get right up, up on it a little bit. No, no, get 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 oh, up. Get on right it. up. Literally, okay. yeah, oh, I'm not close enough. Better, much okay. better. Wonderful. I just didn't want the people to miss on your your smart thought. That's my thing. Is uh, I do all the smart ones straight to the ceiling. <laughs> so funny. Just be like, be like, you know, guys, I've been doing a lot of ref- uh, reflection lately, and the thing I've really learned about myself. <laughs> Slowly moving. So I want to thank you all for hearing that. <laughs> that is so funny. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I think it's incredible that they were able to get this through in a studio movie. And I yeah. think a lot of the things we talked about this on our pod. I think a lot of the ideas in this are not shocking to us or controversial to us. No, but I think. It's stuff that is definitely shocking. Like if you just, you know, bring up the idea of the patriarchy, there's a lot of people that reject that outright. If you just say the word patriarchy, they shut down and start yelling. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> the fact that they got a major studio and a major company that normally, like companies play so safe with taking any oh, kind yeah. of stance. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they got them to release this movie is kind of fascinating. And obviously yeah. there's a lot of, commercialism involved in this i think that's the biggest critique that i keep hearing about this movie is just the rampant commercialism in it but it kind of it just brings up the question of like is doing the right thing for the wrong reason still the right thing and Mm. i would argue in a case where it's important for people to be very open about their ideologies in order to combat people with fucking stupid bigoted ideologies yeah uh it's important to say it with the loudest platform possible so i think it's overall a win Agree to disagree, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a win. It's just That's so um, funny. It's just a middle movie. Oh, seven one eight six seven three. Open up the phone lines now. Eight two zero one. If you have want to weigh in on the uh, on the on the Barbie ending, seven one eight six seven three eight two zero one. Or if you got something else to say, that's cool too. No, now, strictly Barbie questions. <laughs> now, uh, ask the boys. There's something I'd like uh, your guys help help with Please. Uh, here. So, Kobe, you know you can ask us anything. So anything. you guys are uh, you guys who host this Nerdy for Thirty podcast, and uh, you know there's a lot of franchise talk uh, on the uh, on the, and this this it's not exactly a new idea to be saying this is where the industry is headed. You know they they love IP, they love uh, stuff that is proven to work, sequels, etc. Nerdy for science, nerdy for sports, mm-hmm. nerdy for you know politics. You're right. Mm-hmm. We should be branching out more. Well, not exactly, Tim. <laughs> I uh, I feel like uh, given your guys, you know, familiarity with all these uh, these worlds, I think I I'd, I'd really like your help in uh, uh, um, taking some other movies and making them into franchises. You know, like I'm gonna just you know throw some out there. I think together we'll come up with some ideas to maybe pitch around to the industry about uh, you know like you know how to make like Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation, for example, into a into and you know we don't have to start there but you know something like that just because look we all want careers here we want to be able to last and you got to be able to roll with the punches you know industries it's a living breathing thing it's always changing but right now this is what it wants and uh i don't know you guys feel down for this absolutely fine 
<laughs> we can do it. <laughs> Tim, get right up on that mic when you begrudgingly agree. <laughs> yeah, we can. Yeah, Colby, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> God, I love the fading away from the mic. <laughs> really... We got to do this some more Doppler effect stuff. Like, that's a great idea, Cole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is broadcast in Apple spatial audio, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, people exactly. with their VR headsets are getting a treat. Got to get your thirty-five hundred dollars for it. <laughs> Oh my god! It's just so funny to get like really real and then start fading away. (laughs) I can even do it on my end. It's just like you know, I've been, I've been, yeah, exactly. You know, I've, uh, I've really been, you know, just looking inside. You know, just like thinking about my relationships and like my relationship to food and and uh, just. uh, uh, I think the thing I really want to do from now on. It's interesting you say that because you know I've been speaking a lot to my therapist about how I deal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that would be great for the video tier. Uh, to have watched, have watched that unfold. Tim just knocked over a, uh, a, a privacy screen that's in the back. <laughs> I don't think we're through the problem either. This thing is coming back down. Uh, yeah, it's uh-huh. it's hanging by a thread, but we have a show to do. That's right. First one, Hereditary. Ooh. Let's make the Hereditary franchise. Where do we go from here? Oh, well, second, you, you start by living in the world you've created for longer than five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite. I loved Hereditary. You know how they explain everything and then end the movie? Yeah. That's great. That's one of my favorite things in horror movies. When they, <laughs> when they finally, you finally figure out what the fuck's going on, and then you get to go home and think about it, you know? I got a pitch for you right away for Hereditary 2. Please. Yeah. So the mom the mom is possessed at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. She goes back to her career as an artist. Sure. But she's <laughs> possessed still. So yes. she's still making these little dioramas <laughs> in like, you know, and it's like post-pandemic. So like it's a shared studio with a lot of other artists. She's the only one who's possessed. And, you know, we see what the relationships are. <laughs> I love that. I forgot about the miniatures. I was going to pitch the miniatures as well. I was going to pitch, you know, this this tags on perfectly. There's a series of home invasions, you know, some <laughs> strange murders that can't just be chalked up to robberies because nothing's taken from mm-hmm. the house. And then the police start to realize that all of the houses that are broken into, there are miniatures of in this studio. Oh so they start God. suspecting it's one of the people in the shared <laughs> yes. workspace. Yes. My... My other pitch is just that every sequel starts with another person getting their head knocked off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the second movie, it's another a different kid. It's a different oh, kid different who gets kid. their it's head always a kid. knocked it's a young off. Kid that you but then in the third attached. one, it's like a whole like roller coaster car full of kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> this has all been a plot yes. for some some Mike Myers like type figure yeah. like going around and that moment heads off was like the most shocking thing I've seen <laughs> in a movie in like my entire life where that little girl's head meets that sign. Oh my God. God. It was the rubber meets the road. awful. And then Ari Aster did the thing that Ari Aster does where he just holds the camera on it 
just yeah. it's all head in the frame for a solid <laughs> minute and a half, and everybody's got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it's like that uh, uh, episode of SpongeBob where he has a bad breath. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and he goes with Patrick to the movies. Patrick, Patrick thinks that people are repulsed because they think SpongeBob is ugly. Mm. <laughs> he just keeps holding him up, going, "Look at it." <laughs> I want all of you to look at it. I'll find that clip. We were talking. What do you think the worst movie snack to be eating was when the head got knocked off? <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, bunch of crunch. Yeah, something, 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 some, some, either that or like the like Butterfinger, like the biteable or like the uh, the bite sized Butterfinger yeah. bites. Oh, Butterfinger where it's babies. just like, yeah, yeah, where it just gets stuck in your teeth so quick and you're just like, Picking it out of your teeth with your thumb, and then that happens. Sure. <laughs> Cut yourself. Honestly, if I was snapping into a hot dog at the exact moment it happened, I don't <laughs> think I'd ever be able to eat one again. Yeah. <laughs> this one's outside of the the normal movie theater fare, but maybe you're in maybe you're in Alamo Draft House or something. I was thinking a warm cantaloupe. <laughs> and if it's not warm, I'm sending it back. <laughs> you guys warm up this thing for me. Body heat only. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you eating warm cantaloupe? Warm cantaloupe? I'm just saying it'd be the worst thing to be eating at that moment. <laughs> it'd be the worst in general. Without the movie, it'd be pretty bad. I don't know. Cool fall day, a little warm cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. uh, Kevin's like Kevin's like on a on a, like a hike with his friends. They're like, uh, "Hey, should we stop and get some hot chocolate?" Like, no need, fellas. No need. I got all the heat you need right here. It's a warm cantaloupe. Didn't you notice I was walking around on this hike looking like Juno? <laughs> Guess what I got in here. I've been I've been walking like I just got off a horse, keeping this warming this thing up with groin heat. <laughs> Okay, I found the clip. This, the, Kevin, this is what you're saying. This is Ari Aster's approach to directing. What is wrong with you people? Afraid to look ugliness in the face? Well, here! Look at it! It's ugly, isn't it? You look at it! Hello. You look at it! Hi. Look at it! Look at it! Look at it! Look at it! That's yeah, that's beautiful. It. That's it. That's that's hereditary. That's hereditary. That's Midsommar. That's <laughs> Midsommar. <laughs> it's well. also Bo is Afraid. <laughs> I haven't seen Bo is Afraid yet. Yeah. I gotta see it. Bo is Afraid is a fucking masterpiece. I gotta see I'm it. I used to believe. I'm it. excited to see it. I'm excited. Walking Phoenix has hurt me too many times. So sure. three of my worst movie going experiences are Walking Phoenix's fault. The that's because was, you saw Joker twice. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> I lost a bet. I want to guess what the third one is. So oh. one, one's Bo's Afraid, one's Joker. It's another one that sounds like it's going to be John Wick-esque. Revenge Tale. He's going with... around bashing people's heads in with oh, a hammer. Oh, what is the name of that? It's called, it's called we like... We were never really here. We were yeah. never really here. Yeah. I was going to call things. it Something in the Night. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> you were never really here, yeah. Based on the Jonathan Ames uh, uh, book. It was pretty aimless. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. A lot going on. People walked out. Wow. Multiple I, people stood up and walked out of the theater. That and is, I should have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought at some point it'll get interesting, and it didn't. Never. And that's Walking Phoenix's fault. <clears throat> and I will never, I'll never give him another opportunity. Are you going to see Napoleon? What's Napoleon? He's doing. A He's one playing about- Napoleon 
in this movie that Ridley Scott's making this year or made it already. It's coming out this year. I won't see it. I won't see Joker 2. I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just done with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. He's lost my trust. Did you like Inherent Vice? It's Inherent Vice. Uh, <laughs> Is this a Joaquin Phoenix movie? Yeah. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I don't know why we just gonna Walk, want to go down the list. More like I'm walking out of this theater. <laughs> oh, it's like a it's like a phoenix because I feel like throughout the movie I'm dying and coming back to life only to die again. The mythical bird. Next movie, franchise this, the witch. Remember the witch? Yeah, Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers. Which is great. Let's see. I mean, Black Peter highlighted that movie. Uh, it's Black Philip, Kevin. Black Philip. Okay. Wow. Oh, Ooh. you know what Black Peter is? <laughs> Black Peter is the racist, like, yeah. uh, like Christmas. Nordic Christmas character. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's just sail no, right on by yeah. this. No, I think we should. I think we should dissect this a little bit. Uh, yeah. Black right. Philip is the goat. That is the is the goat devil sure. in the witch. I think. In the witch, too. Two witches instead of one. He starts terrorizing other barnyard animals. Oh my god! <laughs> so he starts. Hold on. He starts possessing other barnyard animals, or he starts just terrorizing them as a goat. Just kind of giving them shit as a goat. <laughs> so it's like Babe with a strong antagonist. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's a talking animal movie. I was thinking more Charlotte's Web. Okay. But the devil's in the barn as a goat. <laughs> so so we're just spoiling this movie, right? Like at the end, she ends up joining up with a bunch of other witches yeah. and floating into the air, and then it kind of ends on a suspenseful note. Yeah. Uh-huh. I would love to know how this witch organization works. Like what are the dues? Mm-hmm. Like where do they meet regularly? Do they travel a lot? What's the recruitment process for yes. this type of thing? I think the minutia of- It is so funny. <laughs> Tim, Tim, you you hearing about like a group of witches reading up and immediately thinking, well, how do they pay for supplies? <laughs> is so are they in a window perfect. with room with uh, windows? They have windows in this spot? None of them work. What are the logistics? Yeah, they're not working on anything. Does one, like- of the, one of the witches have a job? <laughs> she's like i really feel like i have a lot to contribute to the coven they're like you already are go back to mcdonald's you're you're paying for everything you owe two hundred dollars to the coven yes and you are not allowed to attend coven functions but i have ideas for spells to cast yeah i have ideas ideas cost money we have one spell we do, we float into the air. <laughs> yes. That's what this coven's about. What if what if all they do is float in the air? Yeah. And, and that's just all they do in the second movie. Dude, back then, that time period, that would be a thrill. Dude, today <laughs> that would be a thrill. My God, if I could just float in the air, I'd be conducting this on the other side of that window right there. <laughs> You'd be interviewing me on a on like a boom mic out there. Yes. <laughs> Floating outside the second story to this office, this okay, so, office building. So, so, so the 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 movie is this. Then this you've got this coven of witches. They love nothing more than floating in the air. Sure. <laughs> they start getting hunted. Okay, by by you know uh, people with long distance weapons. People, yes, by, <laughs> by a, a zealous archer uh, in like the next town over. Robin sure. crossover. He captures a couple of them mm-hmm. while they wait trial. 
they're stashed in his basement, and the roof is really <laughs> low. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to try to get out so they can float in the air again. So it's up to... It's just the entire house starts floating yes. because the witches are in it. <laughs> this is a movie. This is a movie. Just witches who float and just how we can use them as objects. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> how much mileage can we get out of this floating witch? Yeah. They start people start like advertising on them. <laughs> it's that's like like Joe's Tavern. <laughs> they like, tie a banner to one of the witches as it like floats around the town. <laughs> I know I'm making myself laugh here, but <laughs> I'm really enjoying the idea of just like <laughs> one of these women from this movie is like standing completely erect, floating around with this like banner behind her. Will you marry me? <laughs> it's like a witch just floats on the breeze. <laughs> She's got oh. a sign hanging off that just says. Need a pig? Call Abe. <laughs> Need a pig? Call Abe. I also like the idea of competing pig that guys. Like that Abe as a rival. Be, <laughs> the merch for the movie will be shirts that say Need a pig? Need call, a pig call Abe. Like how uh, people got like uh, like lo- like Polio Hermanos t-shirts after Breaking Bad was sure. popular. That'll be our version of that. Absolutely. That witch that's that. doing the advertising is like, I'm bringing money into the company. Yeah. <laughs> what if we did like a car wash, but like in the air? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they put a sign that says that says like car wash, and they're all just like standing there like this. <laughs> <laughs> their hair is like draping down to their knees. A guy pulls up with his car, and he's like, "Okay, start the car wash." They just start floating. <laughs> Just stiff as a board, fingers at oh. crooked, inhuman angles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bending the wrong mouth way. agape. Yeah, <laughs> the sounds of the underworld emanating from their mouths. Oh my god! <laughs> they open their mouth, a thousand screams escape from it. <laughs> they wash your car. <laughs> hey, I don't have all day. Oh, oh boy. Oh my god. Oh, I really. <laughs> they're floating in the air is so funny to me. <laughs> okay it's one of the hardest things with horror movies is that things are usually really scary in the moment and then the second you take away the music or take away one part of the atmosphere and start to question it yes. it falls apart so fast <laughs> alright next one are we ready mm, ready sure. for now that we've crushed it twice Next, next one, Elvis from last year. Bos Lerman's Elvis. What's the next one? I didn't see it. You didn't, I didn't see, see it? it either. All right. I Did didn't you guess. see? <laughs> does he die in the movie? Yeah. Does it go to Fat Elvis? He does. It does. Die in yeah. The movie? Yeah. Does he? Do they go into like the fool's gold that he's eating, where it's like he's eating like a pound of bacon on these sandwiches? And stuff? they don't really go into that. It's a, it's a shame. You know the other thing they don't go into that they I feel like they had a real missed opportunity is the karate. That Elvis like loved karate <laughs> and he did karate in the house all the time. You like don't see him do karate in it. He does like some like chops on stage and stuff, but like that I feel like that doesn't count. Also, you know what? This is the clearest sign that the Austin Butler stuff is dog shit. That you you're aware of this Austin Butler 
narrative where he says that he was so in character playing Elvis that his voice is never going to recover. Permanently changed his voice. Yeah. 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 Um, he should also have to do all of the other Elvis things if he's that deep in character. Yes. He should be eating these fool's gold sandwiches. He should be doing random karate chops. Do you know, do you know this other thing where apparently Elvis really loved Monty Python? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Like one of them, like my Michael Palin, maybe tells the story about like meeting him at, like in the late seventies, like when he's like he's he's fat Elvis, he's like near dying, and that he was like quoting sketches to Michael Palin. <laughs> he was like, I watch it on TV all the time. <laughs> so what if the second Elvis two is like him trying to get a sketch show going, like a oh sketch show God. on the air? But he's like becoming fat out. Like he is binge eating in between takes. He's like passed out on toilets and they have to wake him up and, <laughs> and get him in his karate gi to go out there in front of the live studio audience. <laughs> he pioneered the Chappelle show format where he's coming out <laughs> talking to the audience introducing <laughs> Fat Elvis the Chappelle show is the perfect premise. <laughs> he's doing stand up in between. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, saw someone crazy the other day. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen the movie. I don't no, know how to do the No, voice. that's great. You're doing great. All right, cool. stick, stick with it. Y'all ever notice how when you're cooking, <laughs> up, <laughs> cooking up a pound of bacon? First half pound goes down real easy. Second half pound doesn't go down as easy. You'd think your throat would be all greased up. Got to open the throat. Down goes the boat. <laughs> now here's a sketch about a black white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice one, Wayne Brady. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Who's lying is it anyway, Wayne Brady? <laughs> the print oh sketch God. is intact, except it's just other people telling stories about going to Elvis's house. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Making them watch Monty Python and then cooking them fool's gold. <laughs> cooking them fool's gold. Oh my god. This is this is great. This gives us a chance to do like a uh uh kind of like a, sh- a Hollywood like satire a little bit, you know, where there's this is our like Babylon. Yeah, yeah. This is our Babylon. <laughs> but it's like for this for this to be like period specific, if it's like late seventies, like you get you remember that show Vinyl? You yeah. They had like all these actors playing like the young rock stars. It's like we would do that for this, but it would be like Elvis has a meeting with Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> and you get this like this guy just like talking really fast in the. <laughs> yeah, I saw what you do with the band. I saw that last waltz. How about you do a first waltz for me? <laughs> Karate chops for Scorsese. Oh, Steve Martin shows up like as himself. They like de-age him. They de-age Steve Martin. Oh, but he kind of looks the same, just like thinner. He kind of does. The hair is like a little darker. Yeah, maybe. Still moves like an old man. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you guys see Indiana Jones Five? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that the (laughs) (laughs) fucking worst piece of shit? Suck. You've ever seen? 
<laughs> I'm de-aging on him where they're just like, where he's talking like Harrison Ford now, but his face looks like he's 40. Awful. That's awful. I think they should have done young CGI Indiana Jones the whole time. Just like it's <laughs> definitely a younger, different person, and they've just slapped on like some weird CGI face. Everyone else is the real person. Yeah, yeah, and we yeah. We just see this little CGI boy like Paddington too, just like kind of working his way through life God. and trying to figure out things with Phoebe Waller Bridge. It's so rough. There was before he died, Sean Connery voiced James Bond in a From Russia with Love video game. Yes. And there were these cutscenes, but it it had the exact same effect to me where it's like, you know, like they're they're digitally creating a like 60s era Sean Connery, but he's going, but I've never heard of a specter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Watched Entrapment recently. Okay. You see that movie? Uh Uh-uh. This is him and Catherine Zeta-Jones from the oh, late 90s. Yes. This is the one where she like yogas through the laser tripwires. Oh. This movie is so good. <laughs> this it had a... me at yogas through the laser tripwires. <laughs> <laughs> I'm we in. make entrapment too. That's what we should do. Run it back. Still trapping after no, all so, these no, years. No, no, no. But this, in this one, Catherine Zeta-Jones is the older character who takes on a young, hot man. There we go. Austin Butler. Austin Austin Butler. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to get too deep into character. He's going to walk around with the Indiana Jones hat on all the time. (laughs) So funny. His head may never recover. He's too used to the hat. My head head needs a hat on it. I can't take it off. <laughs> if like, I take it off, I'll die. <laughs> it's like that, Have that, you, oh my that God. book about the girl with the ribbon around her neck. Oh, yeah. You take off the ribbon and her head rolls Classic. off. Just picturing Classic. that. That's him with the hat. <laughs> Takes it off and then just exposed brain. Oh, yeah. man. This guy, the, 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 the amount that like Austin Butler has to do to like come back from this like what is his next movie because he has to take a swing that is so big that it like outdoes Elvis you know what I mean well Colby I'm glad you asked it's he, Dune part two. Oh, really yeah oh wow that's, he's fully hairless and he appears to be taking big swings on that one wow okay great I thought you were gonna say he plays like Marilyn Monroe next or <laughs> <laughs> another mid-century icon anyway like Babe Ruth you know yeah <laughs> yeah, something like fat Elvis adjacent. <laughs> well, folks, we got to start wrapping up the show now. Do you guys want to talk about your podcast? You know, maybe some episodes you got in the can that uh, you can tantalize our listeners with. Uh, you know, to maybe drive them to subscribe, check out old episodes. You know, maybe you know, follow you guys on Instagram. You know, that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, we got a <laughs> we got a couple coming up. All sure. Stuff, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want us to, we got a. One coming up where we're going to be breaking down movie tiers. We've been noticing that we're starting to mm-hmm. find some emerging patterns in the movies, and we think we're ready to start categorizing these into our own tiers, yeah. finding those. And then uh, we're also going to have you on, Colby, very soon. Well, we don't know At what we're talking point. about yet. <laughs> it's still a mystery. But we will. A mystery from the bottom of the ocean, maybe. With That we had radio... I don't know. I guess nothing Perhaps aside. A, I'm just getting a lot of weird no, no. I, I wanted you to no, no. I wanted you to keep going. That's the problem. Tim wants something from the bottom of the ocean, and I want something with a lot of meetings in it. A lot of meetings. 
<laughs> There's your they don't know what we're talking lot. about. It'll <laughs> it'll it it it'll it'll be a Godzilla movie. We just yeah. don't know which one. <laughs> we don't know which one yet. Anyway, thank you guys for coming on. This was so fun. Thank you so much. Such for a blast. Us. Dude, anytime. And anytime uh you need a favor, I'm here for you. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to help you out, Cole, whenever you need it. All right, guys. Keep your uh, keep your dials tuned to Radio Free Brooklyn. Legendary era starting in moments. In the meantime, here are the pretenders. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.